Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Judges, Samson has been playing with a fire named Delilah, and finally he gets burned. We'll pick it up in Judges chapter 16, verse 18. The title of the message is Grace for the Afflicted. Judges chapter 16, Judges 16. When last we left Samson, he was faced with a decision either to break it off or to tell Delilah everything. And Samson, when faced with that decision, decided to trust a woman who did not love him, to put his life in her hands. And that decision will cost Samson everything. But the story doesn't end there. It gives an answer to a very important question. What if I've made a decision that cost me everything? Is that it? Am I done? Is God done with me? And so as we see Samson pay a horrible price for his foolishness, we'll also see the grace, mercy, and redemption of God that's available to even the worst of fools. So Judges chapter 16 will begin in verse 18. And you may want to put your finger in 1 Timothy 6. And Proverbs 7, because we'll be heading there, 1 Timothy 6 and Proverbs 7. So we'll jump up to Judges 16, verse 15. And she said unto him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me when your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart. And said unto her, there has not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go for me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Here's where we pick it up tonight. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. So then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. Now, we have no record of Delilah and Samson's interaction after verse 17. Clearly, Samson leaves because then she sends for the Philistine lords, sends them news. So there's clearly a time difference between verses 17 and then what occurs in verse 19 and the end of verse 18. So for now, Samson feels like, oh, I told her my secret, and I'm still okay. I'm not in any danger. But when he's gone, at some point after he's gone, she takes care of business like a cold killer. And so she says to them in verse 18, come up this once, which means one last time. The Philistine leaders apparently had gone back home, figuring this was a waste of time. But she assures them, no, it will work this last time. I have finally succeeded in getting it out of him. And so they come up, and they bring money to pay her. Now, when we look at Samson and Delilah's relationship, we don't know what drew Delilah to receive Samson's initial advances. I don't know. Perhaps she was just a prostitute, and that's all their relationship was, and Samson was living in some weird dream world. I don't know. But we don't know what drew them together. 
I don't know if for her it was exciting to date a celebrity like Samson. I don't know if they actually struck up some kind of weird friendship. But what I do know from the scripture is that she loved money more than a human being. And this is why 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, warns us as believers not to love money. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root, King James says, of all evil, but the word there all means all kinds of evil. It's the cause of a husband or a wife ignoring their spouse and their children. It's the cause of bitterness at a spouse when others have things you don't. It's the cause of theft of time from your boss. And as we'll see here, it's the cause of the taking of a life. Now, that brings up the question, well then, is money evil? No, that's not what the Bible says. In fact, Jesus says, make use of the unrighteous mammon. It's something that exists in our world and it can be used for the glory of God. So, Someone who loves God is allowed to be wealthy. Some of those in Timothy's congregation were wealthy. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Paul tells Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So the idea is that God could bless you with wealth. However, the godly person doesn't pursue riches they pursue something else. He says to Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which while some have coveted after, they've pursued it. They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things, but instead follow after, pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, Patience, which means their endurance, perseverance, and meekness, which means humility. A godly person doesn't pursue riches. They pursue righteousness, godliness. Righteousness is the right behavior towards your fellow man. A lot of times, you know, especially in our current situation that we're in here, I see a lot of people who are pursuing liberty or freedom or rights. But as Christians, we pursue righteousness. And righteousness lays my liberty down for the sake of love. We pursue godliness. It means doing what God says, not what the culture says, not even what our constitution says. We pursue what God says. We pursue faithfulness. We pursue perseverance, humility, and of course, loving others. Love. That's what we're pursuing. Delilah was a wicked woman who pursued money instead of Samson. And thus, the next verse in Judges 16 paints a dark, ugly picture of her final treatment of Samson. It says in verse 19 that she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. First off, Delilah lulls Samson to sleep. I remember when I was in the worst of my health issues, I would listen to scripture kind of to peaceful music because I I couldn't sleep. I would go for sometimes 72 hours without sleep. And so I would just put it on the side of my bed table and I would just put scripture, just trying to somehow 
remind myself of truth in the midst of just the exhaustion and the frustration and remind myself of God's promises and just, I'd let it play. And, but sometimes I just still wouldn't sleep. And I remember one night, Beverly, she turned it off and she opened her Bible and she just started reading to me. And I was out in like 10 minutes. And uh, the language here that's used here is describing something tender like that. It's one of the most loving things someone ever did for me. You know, it was in my suffering and in my heartache and my, my exhaustion. And, and she just invested into me at like two in the morning. And the language here of what she did lulling him to sleep, it describes a tender moment between lovers. To make him fall to sleep, it actually means to lull. Samson foolishly thought he was safe, that he was loved. But while he slept, she betrayed him. For she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. She called for a man. He was so peacefully asleep, so safe, that she had the ability to lay his head to the side then, which had been in her lap, and then to go and find a man who would then come and chop off all seven braids of his hair. And then it says, she began to afflict him. The deed was done. Done. The word here, afflict, comes after that. And it means to oppress, to mistreat, to abuse. And as I've told you earlier, it's the same word in the Hebrew language for rape. To rape. Now, Delilah, it's very unlikely that she physically raped Samson here. I don't think he would have slept through that. But she raped him in every other way. Betrayed him. Had power over him and exulted in it. As his hair was being cut, she reveled in the power she had over this seemingly indestructible man. She reveled like someone drinking the blood of their victim. The picture is a disgusting one, similar to the great harlot of Revelation 17.6, where it mentions her holding this ornate goblet, but the goblet is filled, it says, with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. For it says, I saw a woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. What we find here is a woman reveling in her immorality, reveling in her power over another creature of God. Can I please urge you tonight? Do not be like Delilah. If you are contemplating an affair or ripping off your boss, please stop. Because whatever you think you're gaining or whatever you are gaining to you, you're afflicting someone else to get it. Someone God made You are taking something from them without their permission. And they are someone that God loves and Jesus died for, no matter how wicked they may be. For Samson is no saint here. And ultimately, that's what the love of money does. The love of pleasure does. The love of self above love of others. For it says, while some have coveted after these, They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Please don't err from the faith if you are contemplating or doing this. It will 
leave a wake of destruction behind you. Now, I would suggest that Delilah afflicted Samson or started afflicting Samson long before this night. But this is the day it finally impacted his strength. For it says when the deed was done, his strength went from him. Literally, literally in the Hebrew, it means his strength removed away from being upon him. That's a weird way to phrase it, but that's exactly what the Hebrew says. His strength removed away from being upon him. So it was not his strength to begin with. There was a strength that was resting upon him that was not his. And now it moved away. Every supernatural thing Samson did over the course of his life came from God's spirit resting upon him. This means that when Samson's hair was cut, God's spirit stopped empowering Samson. Now, why was this it? Like, why, why was this the last straw for God, so to speak? I mean, it's interesting. Of all the things that Samson did, this is the one he actually didn't do to himself. Like, I mean, this isn't like Samson going out and taking honey out of a corpse. He did that. This isn't like Samson wandering around in vineyards or, you know, uh, throwing a drinking party. I mean, all of the doing it on his own. This was something done to him. So why was this the last straw for God? You know, it's interesting when it says that she began to afflict him. The word began there actually means to initiate a process. But it's such akin to another idea in Hebrew thinking that they use the same word for this. To profane something. To defile something. To desecrate something that had been holy. And you know, that's exactly what Delilah did to Samson. Up to this point, Samson still retained one part of his vow. He had broken the other two, (laughs) but he had one part remaining that he had kept of his vow. But when he decided to trust Delilah with all of his heart, instead of the Lord with all of his heart, Samson stopped being different from other men. His vow technically was dead before the barber even came in. The cutting of the hair was just the final step. So that's why this was the last straw. Up to this point, Samson still had something that made him different than other men. Something that set him apart, still made him holy. But now, there was nothing different about Samson. You know, it's interesting. We've been studying Daniel in our Sunday morning services. And, and it struck me as I've been studying through Samson, Daniel and Samson are like exact opposites. Truthfully, like Daniel had a powerful impact. The whole theme of the book of Daniel is the power of a godly life. Daniel had a powerful impact on the people around him and is still doing it today in our lives because of his set-apart life, right? He purposed not to defile himself with the king's food. He was different in every way. Samson had the same opportunity, but he didn't live a set-apart life. And consequentially, Samson had very little impact on the people around him. Now, that is an important lesson for us in regard to how we choose to live. If I want to have the greatest impact on my sphere of influence, it requires a set-apart life. You know, something that my very first pastor used to say is he said, kids catch much more from what you're doing. Your kids, your children will catch much more from what you're doing than from what you're saying to them. Pastor Chuck used to teach us that ministry is something that is not taught, it is caught. 
And certainly you can take classes on ministry or you can be taught about biblical ministry or even specific kinds of ministry. But ultimately, ministry is something you see. Godliness, it's something they have to see. If I want to impact my kids, I need to show them something different than what they're going to find elsewhere. I have two daughters. And I tell you, and I talk to other dads who are good men who love their daughters and they want them to grow up to become women who treat themselves with respect and dignity and therefore find a man who will treat them with dignity and respect as well. And, and one of the things I always say is I never want her to go looking for something elsewhere than here. I want her to know that she is respected, that she is a dignified person, that she's beautiful, that she is valued for her intelligence, that she's valued for her whole person. I want her to learn that from me. So she doesn't have to go try to find some sense of worth anywhere else. And so then when she finds a man, that it will be someone who values her, that she'll recognize what that looks like. And she can have a true, meaningful, respectful marriage. If we want to impact our kids, we need to show them something different than what they can find elsewhere. Teaching them God's word is great, and we need to do that. But we need to live it out as well. They will learn just as much, if not more, from that. Well, verse 20, it says, After the deed was done, that she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. But he knew not that the Lord was departed from him. There's so much here that we could discuss. I'm going to try to move through it quickly, but the language is amazing. The choice of words that the writer of Judges uses here to describe what Samson did is very descriptive. It says, she says, the Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and he said, I will go out as at other times. The phrase there means to conduct one's life as one has always conducted it. I'm going to do it status quo, man. It is status quo. And yet, the next phrase shows us something important. And shake myself. The phrase shake myself means shake to shake oneself free. What is Samson being held by at this point in time? He's not Held by anything. Free from what? No one held him but Delilah. The only thing that Samson could have felt when he woke up that had some hold on him was his missing strength. Samson felt it when he woke up. He maybe even knew his hair was gone. He just didn't think it mattered. And this is the real reason that the Lord departed from Samson. Samson had lived in compromise for so long that repentance was never a consideration for him. He stubbornly pressed on, feeling the weakness, knowing that it wasn't the same. And he said, I'll just shake that off and I'll do it like I did before. I'll handle the Philistines even without the Lord. Samson's strength was never in his hair It was never about staying away from corpses or not eating grapes. Samson's strength was always in his relationship to God. And now that was gone, traded in for Delilah. So while Samson may have known his hair was gone, certainly knew his strength was gone, he never considered that because he'd forsaken the Lord, 
the Lord had left him to handle this on his own and that that was a bad thing. The results of Samson's pride are devastating. Look at verse 21. But the Philistines, it's not even creative language. There's no description. They just took him. There's no fight, not even a good fight. They just took him and they put out his eyes. And then they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. The word there to put out his eyes, it means they gouged out. It means to bore, to dig, like taking a rock out of a quarry. This was not a painless experience. This was not a quick experience. And they did it right there in Delilah's home. She saw it happening to him, the man who loved her, without raising a single complaint. Why would she? She didn't care at all about him. So when that was done, they brought him down to Gaza, and there they bound him with fetters of brass. They put fetters on his legs, and they put him on a grinding stone. He did grind to grind out grain in one of their prison houses. Now, turn to Proverbs 6 and 7, because we need to close this section of Samson's life out before we get to his final act. Proverbs 6 and 7 are famous because they mention someone called the strange woman. In the King James, it says strange woman. It just means the immoral woman. I think Delilah certainly qualifies for that. Solomon, who didn't take his own advice later on, counseling his son, said this. My son, keep your father's commandment and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your neck and tie them about your, on your heart and tie them about your neck. When you go, it shall lead you. When you sleep, it shall keep you. And when you awake, it shall talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproves of instruction, correction of instruction. That's the way of life. Listen, you want to know how to live a good life? Be open to lots of correction. Love correction, love rebuke. It will be helpful to you. Don't be defensive. And then here it says it. To keep you from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in your heart, neither let her take you with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Look at Proverbs 7 verses 25 through 27. Let not your heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. For she has cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. That is not very positive language. (laughs) That is really frightening language. Samson's eyes had gotten him in trouble time and time again with women, time and time again. And God gave him space to repent. But Samson interpreted that space as license, as permission. David Goodzik said, sin has its wages, and this was Samson's payday. Thinking that it didn't matter, 
Thinking that he had the situation under control, Samson didn't realize the danger he was in until it was too late. And that's what Proverbs 7, 21 through 23 says. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goes after her immediately as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hastes to the snare and knows not that it is for his life. Listen, if you're messing around with being flirtatious, with lust, with sexual sin, you do not have it under control. It has you in its grip and the cost will be very high unless you get free. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Thy strong on me will save.